It's so lovely to be with you here today. And uh, it's just a privilege because, you know, um, I haven't really spoken in front of anyone in um, like two years, not live anyway, because of COVID and because we've all been home. Um, but I have become very intimately um, acquainted with my little phone screen here, and I've done a lot online. But uh, this, this, so this is just a privilege and an, an honor to be with you all here today. Um, listen, I got given a prayer request. I only got one. I can't imagine there's, we must have things on our, our heart and mind that we need prayer for, but maybe you just forgot to fill in a prayer request. But what I'm going to do is I am going to save this prayer request for the end, and you're going to see why. I just hope I remember to pray for it. So if I don't, Pastor Stu, Carla, just go, prayer request. Okay. Wonderful. All righty. <clears throat> well, you know, the scriptures... The scriptures tell us, um, in the Bible, it says that we are to comfort others with the comfort that we've been comforted with. That's a lot of comfort in one sentence. That's an actual scripture, right? So what's been happening is, well, in the last two years, while we've all been sitting home and watching terrible news reports and watching the world go weird and strange, and um, all the terrible things that have happened and all the, the things that we're currently seeing now that we're a bit out of that period of time. We've come into a time where we're watching war live on television. Um, you know, we just come out of COVID and like somebody speaks the words nuclear war and you're like, really? Do we not get a break, right? And, um, you know, and then we have get given the reports, uh, financial reports just recently. Um, it's so funny because I was watching the, uh, um, the counselor of the exchequer there talking about, you know, this, this wonderful package that he's put together, you know, save you 5P. Now, I'm not against anything out there, but I'm just looking at them all cheering and I'm thinking... But there's people who can't even eat. <laughs> and why are you cheering, you know? And, um, you know, just there's not a lot of good news around. Um, and, but for the last two years and in, my, in the current times, God has been comforting me with, with words from the scripture. So a lot of what I'm going to share with you today, and that's my hope today, is that I will comfort you with the comfort that I've been comforted with by God. So a lot of what I'm going to share with you today is just from my journal, things that I jot down, things that God has put on my heart, scriptures that God's helping me to maneuver my way through this thing called life. And so today, if I could give you a title for it, today it's called God My Helper. And there's a name for God, my helper. The Jews, the Jewish people in the scripture had a name. And they don't, you don't see it in the Bible. You'd have to look into the translations. But the name for God, my helper, is Jehovah Ezer. E-Z-E-R. Jehovah Ezer. And it means God, my helper. Okay. So today what I want to talk about is that God is our helper. Okay, I'm going to keep it really simple. And I want you to see that at the very core of, of who he is, um, that there's a desire to help his people, to help us, okay? Okay, so that takes me to this. You know, sometimes the best way to understand something is to break it down into its simplest form. And we all know this from school, right? Anybody out there good in math? 
Come on, don't be shy. Any math people? Okay, I see a few math people out there. Okay, and then usually I'm going to make this fair. Is there anyone out there who's, I know you're not so good in math, but maybe you're good in English. And right? Any good? Come on, writers, readers. Uh, okay, we got a good few English here. All right, I want to make it fair because I know that's usually a math or an English person. You know, we, we do find these occasional people who are like everything and we're like, oh, you know, okay. But anyway, so in math, for the math folk, when we're doing a big math problem, what is something that they tell us to do in math? We put it in simplest form. Is that right? Right? You take those fractions. Like, isn't it easier to work with, like, okay, they give you, I'm going to give you some easy numbers because I'm not particularly a math person here either. They give you a number like 50 over 100. But what can you reduce that down to? Just call it out. One half, right? Isn't that easier to work with? One over two. Now we're talking my language, okay? Simplifying it, taking it down. Okay, for us English folk, big long poem, okay? Let's pretend this is a big poem right here, a big long poem. What is the best thing to do when you're approaching a big long novel that they give you at school or college? The best thing to do is say, what is it about? Right? What's the theme? Okay? The theme is the English version of reduce the fraction. Okay? <laughs> so you just find the theme. Just tell me what it's about. And if you tell me the theme, then as I read it, I'll go, ah, okay, I get it. So it, that is like boiling it down, taking it to its simplest form. Right? Okay. Now, I searched for my biggest Bible. This is my personal biggest Bible. It is, it is one that I would not often bring to church, but I purposely brought, I had a bigger one that someone gave us as a gift. It was like this um, antique Bible. It's as big as this table, and I thought, no, I'm not carrying that to church. So this was the next best thing, okay? This big story is the whole Bible. Now, I am going to tell you the whole entire story of the Bible today. And you all go, oh, no. <laughs> but don't worry about it, because I'm going to do it in five steps. Here we go. Boiling the whole Bible down. Okay. One, paradise. In the beginning, God made a man and a woman in a garden to just rule and reign in the garden with him and enjoy perfect harmony with God, our king and savior, just in perfection. Number two, oh, no, fall, brokenness. The humans reject God's will. And they open a door that allows sin into the world. That, that door that they opened was disobedience to God's will and brokenness came into the world. And this is what came into the world. Our biggest problem. Mark that down if you're taking notes. At that point, the fall and brokenness, biggest problem came into the whole world. And that problem was we were now separated from God forever from our sin. Okay, number three, a restoration plan kicks in. Did you know that, okay, we, we look at the Bible, Adam and Eve sin, but did you know the restoration plan for that by God starts to kick in in Genesis chapter three? It starts kicking in almost straight away. And the promise is given to the woman. The promise is this, that um, he said, the woman shall have her seed, shall crush the head of the serpent. Isn't that beautiful? What a promise. That restoration plan kicks in by God with a promise. Then, number four, kingdom rec reclaimed. This is what we celebrate every December, my friends. A light has come into the world. Jesus, God with us, is born into the world and dwells among us. And he brings a message, a message of good news. And his message is this. God is going to do something 
about that world's brokenness, that biggest problem that came into the world. That was his message. Okay, last thing. Okay, well then he, he died, buried, resurrected, and everything is restored back, okay? So it happened. Jesus came, and he brought ki the kingdom reclaimed. Number five, this is the bit we're waiting for, okay? This is the bit, bit that when you read Revelation, you go, ooh, I don't understand that. But this is basically what it is. He will come again. Jesus will replace the kingdoms of the world with God's kingdom, a new heaven and a new earth, restoration complete. There you go. That was the whole Bible. I did it. You can all go home now, okay? It was lovely having you, and I'll see you later. No, but that is the whole Bible. That is the whole Bible. But the biggest problem that humankind ever had, I pointed that out, it was sorted out by God. Our sin problem, our separation from God was sorted, okay? And as a result, you know where that left us? Our biggest problem was we were separated from God. God came through. He helped us by sending Jesus. And you know where that leaves us? It leaves us at John 1.12. This is where we are. But to all who receive him, who believe in his name, Jesus, he gave the right to become the children of God. And that's where we're at. From our biggest problem of sin and separation from God and not being able to come near him and shame and guilt and all the bad, Jesus came, the plan of God, sorted. And now we're not only can be restored to God, but we can be his children. Okay? That's a big deal. And that's the whole Bible boiled down. But you want to know something? I could actually boil it down just a little more. Two points. Here we go. One... We created a huge problem. Two, God had a plan to fix it, and he did. Woo! Okay, I know you think that's great, but I'm going to do, do one more. I'm going to boil it down even one more, one, one sentence, okay? I know you believe me that I can do this, right? He was going to help us because we were helpless. That's the theme of the whole book. He was going to help us because we were helpless. Okay? And that's really boiling it down to its bare. If I go any more, I'll be grunting. Okay? So I'm not going to do that. But here's a question. At what point, at what point did God decide, okay, I'm going to help them? Oh, look at the mess. What point did God say, I'm going to help them? Okay. I'm going to read you this scripture. 1 Peter 1, 19 through 20. But with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect, he was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. And he's also called in the book of Revelation, he's called the lamb that was slain before the foundations of the earth. You know what that tells me? That before there was even a structure of an earth, God already had our biggest problem sorted out before we even had a problem, before we even had a, us to have a problem. He had it sorted out before he even spoke those first words, let there be light. It was sorted already. It was sorted. Okay. And when did that help actually come? Mm-hmm. Do we know when it came? Galatians 4, 4 through 5. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son. So when was the time? When did he send it? 
at just the right time. The perfect time. When Jesus came into the world, just so you know, politically, it was a mess. Religiously, Israel was in a mess. Right? Politically, what was, what was the case when Jesus was born? They were in the land, the Jews, that was theirs, ruled by Rome. They were second-class citizens in their own land. They were nobodies. They were under the thumb doing everything Rome had for them. And the Jews didn't like it. And they wanted their savior. And they wanted freedom from Rome. They wanted their savior to come like Arnold Schwarzenegger and, and pull out, you know, his whatever those guns are called and be like, here I am. That's what they wanted. That's what they were hoping for in a savior. Religiously, they were at an all-time low. Their shepherds, which would be their priests and all the people who were meant to be leading them spiritually, they weren't even looking for the savior anymore. They were just going through the motions. They weren't leading hopeless people who were politically under the thumb. They weren't doing anything to help. They were just doing nothing. They were just collecting alms and telling, you know, just, just, just not doing anything, not leading the people, right? And so when the help came, right, I'm telling you they wanted someone to come who looked like Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, like, you know. But what did they get? They got a crying, pooping baby. And that's what the help looked like. And I say that to say that sometimes we're crying out for God's help. And it won't always look at first like what we think we need because we know that in that child, right? He was just a normal child. So when I say he was a crying, pooping baby, he really was, okay? Um, if you would held that child up in front of all these oppressed people paying high taxes and being kicked around in the streets by the Romans, he's the answer. They would have stoned you to death because that, that's not the answer that they wanted, okay? But it was the answer. Okay. You know, there's a, there's a saying, and you've probably heard this saying before. God helps those who help themselves. We've all heard that, right? But let me just tell you right now that that is not scriptural. That is not scriptural at all. That's, there's no Bible to that. You know what it is? You know what the, the scriptural version of that would be? God helps those who cannot help themselves. And there's a word for that. And that word's called grace. That word's called grace. Now here's a beautiful working definition of grace, okay? God doing for us what we are helpless to do for ourselves. You know, and I just want to point out that God didn't just become this grace-filled God all of a sudden as we turn the page from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Oh, oh, mean God. Oh, here he is. Nice God. I like him much better. But he's always been grace-filled. He's always been kind and compassionate. Um, in Malachi chapter 3, verse 6, God says this of himself, I change not. He is the same as he's always been, and he's always been kind, compassionate, and he's always been Jehovah Esser, the Jehovah who helps us. Okay, let me point this out. Even under the law of Moses, okay, the law of Moses, we all know that to be strict and rigid and rules and something we can never live up to. God wrote that, okay, but you want to know you could even see the grace of God even in the Old Testament, even under the law, that harsh law. Did you know in the law, and if you look in Leviticus and Deuteronomy, I won't, I think it's Deuteronomy 15, I won't point it out too much because for time's sake, but there was... 
Under that, under the law, he made pr provision for widows, or for orphans, and those suffering poverty, for for people who couldn't, who who were those widows, orphans, and suffering poverty. He told the farmers, farmers, this is the rule. This is under the law. Don't glean your fields all the way to the end and and take all the stuff, good stuff. Leave loads on the outside of the field, so those who are poor and can't do it for themselves and can and have no other way can go around and collect it. This is my command. God commanded that to the poor. You know what God wrote in the law about debt? Anybody who was in debt, every seven years, all debts between Israelites were canceled. All loans were forgiven. Why can't we live under this? You know, was the law that bad? You know? <laughs> yeah, it was. But you know what I mean. There was, you could see the grace of God. Um, indentured servitude. You know what that is? It's when you had a debt that was so big, you couldn't pay it back. So you paid it back with your life in the sense that you became someone's servant to pay back your debt. That every seven years, that indentured servant got released. Whether it's paid or not, you're free to go. Your debt is forgiven. You are free. This one, God forbade them amongst the Israelites to charge interest when they lent money to one another. Can you believe that? Isn't that beautiful? This is under the law. He said, don't you dare charge your brother and your sister interest. Don't do it. That was under the law. This is the God where we see his grace, where we see his kindness, where we see that he understands people. And you say, oh, well, that's because they were the Jews. He loved his own. He had laws about foreigners passing through the land. He said, when you see a foreigner passing through that land, don't you let them go hungry. If they have nowhere to stay, you let them stay in your home. You take care of them. That was for the foreigner, for the person who was not of their tribe. Okay? He's a good and he's a kind God. Okay, now we also know about God is he's very mysterious. Don't we know that? I mean, after all... When, when Moses, when he came to Moses in that burning bush and he said, he said, um, you know, uh, Moses said, who should I say sent me? And he said, well, tell them I am that I am sent you. Oh, well, that'll clear it up. That, that's, that's good. I'll tell them that. Anyway, so he's mysterious. But you want to know what the scripture also tells us? It tells us that he's very personal. That's called a paradox. When he's one thing, he's mysterious. And yet, he can be very intimate. And we know this because the Jews, although they called him God, and that sounds so austere and out there and mysterious, they also recognized God, and God proclaimed his name to them in different names. Some of these names, and, and they, these names were little windows into his character, telling us what he was like, what he is like. And some of these names you're going to recognize. Yahweh, which means the Lord. Jehovah Jireh. You've heard that popular song out now, Jireh. There's a beautiful song. And it means um, the Lord will provide. So he is Jehovah God who, who provides for us. Jehovah Shalom, God who is our peace. These are different names that just point in, point out who God is. Another of his names that the Jews spoke of him as, wrote of him as, was Jehovah Esser. And that's the Lord. Lord, my helper. It's 21 times in the Old Testament. And in the New Testament, although it's not written in Hebrew in the New Testament, it was written into Greek, um, there's an equivalent for Jehovah Esser even in the New Testament. But let's talk about this Jehovah Esser. Okay. And um, we can't understand the word help or helper like we do in our own culture, okay? Because to us, in our Western culture, 
When we say someone is a help or a helper, we just think of it as someone who's a subordinate, just an extra pair of hands. They don't really know what they're doing, but they kind of hold the toolkit for the guy who really does know what he's doing, right? Isn't that what we think of when we say, oh, they're the help, right? That is not what they meant by Jehovah, our helper, not at all. As a, fa as a matter of fact, in Hebrew, the word helper refers to one who is su superior in position, someone who brings what you do not have to the battle, okay? Okay, and this word, Jehovah Esser, is often used in a military sense for being an ally on the battlefield, Okay, beautiful. For example, let me give you a scripture. Psalm 33:20. Our souls wait for the Lord. He is our help, Jehovah Esser, and our shield. When do you need a shield? I often don't go to Tesco and grab my bag and my shield uh, as I'm running out the door. When do I need a shield? When someone's throwing arrows at me, right? or flaming torches, or whatever, in battle, in war. And that's who Jehovah Esser is to us. And I don't know if you've noticed lately, but life is a lot like a war. It's a war zone. It's a war zone for our mental health. It's a war zone for our health. It's a war zone for our finances. It's a war zone for our children and our relatives who we love, who don't know the Lord, and we so desperately want them to know Jesus because we know that he is the only solid ground on this earth. He is the only treasure on this earth, the only thing solid, and we want our relatives to have that and, and to know Jesus and have eternal security. We want that. Right? This is why we need Jehovah Esther, God our helper. You know, the very nature of one who wants to help someone is compassion. I just want you to know God understands what this life is like. Never think he is out of touch or he doesn't understand. The scripture speaks of God in so many scriptures that I could actually sit up here and just have a, 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 a 30 minute, I'm going to talk to you now about the compassion of God purely through scripture kind of day. I can do that. And I could read to you for an hour, probably more, about scriptures that mention our compassionate God or mention you know, things to do with the compassion of God. I'm going to throw out three of them to you, just so you know. But you, Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love, in faithfulness. That's Psalm 86:15. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Psalm 103:13. The Lord is gracious and righteous. Our God is full of compassion. Psalm 116:5. You know, compassion is is a word we throw out there and we think it just means to feel bad for someone like oh bless look at them but actually the actual word means to suffer with that's what it means it means suffering with or standing with it's a word that is has an active sense it's an active desire to alleviate suffering and the conditions that produced it our god is a compassionate god and you know what verse i think of i think of that famous verse john 3:16 for god so loved the world that he gave God so loved that he gave. He didn't just stand afar and go, oh, I just love them, aren't they sweet? He said, 
actively, I am going to do something about my love. I am a compassionate God. I am going to give, and I'm going to give them my very best. I am going to give them the answer, the solution to their biggest problem, which we know was Jesus, is Jesus. Okay, so he is a compassionate God. Now, I said that the Jehovah Esser is the Hebrew word, but the equal to that word is also in the New Testament. And I don't speak very good Greek, okay? So if you're speaking Greek out there, please don't laugh at me. I did try. I looked at how it was pronounced. But the word in the New Testament is boetheo, okay? And you know what that word means? Help, boetheo in the Greek, which is the New Testament word. It means to come to the aid of. A helper bringing the right aid in time to meet an urgent and real need. And this was a little notation in the side of my big, giant, wonderful Bible here. And it said about the word boetheo. It describes one who runs on hearing a cry to give assistance. Doesn't that make you get the most beautiful it's a word picture. You can see it, that as you stand there and go, Father, I need your help, that he is running to you. And I also think of that son, that the prodigal son, when he was far from God and he had nothing left and he was coming back to the Father because he knew, I have nothing. I've squandered everything I have. I mean, I'm practically naked with my clothes. I'm starving to death. I'm going to die. This bit always gets me. The father was watching out the window and from afar off, he saw his son and he came running. He didn't even wait. He didn't even wait for the son to come close. He said, that's my son and he needs me. And he came running to his son, Boetheo. That is who he is. He's the one who comes running at our cry to give us assistance. Let me read to you. And I'm near the end of what I'm talking about, actually. I'm not too far in. Near the end. I want to read to you a scripture. And it's a scripture you're very, very um, familiar with. But I just need to explain one more thing about Greek. I know I'm talking a lot about Greek today, but it's so important to see how it was written. In Greek, a good way to say things is double negatives, right? But in English, and I'm going to explain this, it's a bad way to, to speak English, right? Okay, if I said to you, I will never, never leave you, it means I'm going to leave you. Think about it. I am never, never going to leave you. Think about that. Terrible English means I'm going to leave you. But in Greek, it's different, okay? In Greek, the more negatives they add is just to add emphasis, okay? It's just to, to make it really, 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 really clear. So as I read this scripture, I want you to know how it was originally written, and they don't translate it this way because it's improper English, and no translator wants to be seen as a bad writer, okay? But this is what it says in the original and in the Greek, and I so wish they would write it this way. Maybe one day I'll do a translation called the Gina translation, <laughs> and I'll just say this really is not good English, but it's, it's good heart medicine, okay? And it's this, Hebrews 13, 5 through 6. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Because God has said, never, never will I leave you. Never. And this, that was a double negative. In the original, this next bit is a triple negative. Never, never, never 
will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? I will never, never, never forsake you. Those are the words of our Lord. Those, when you read, I want you to scratch it out in your Bible or add a couple of nevers because that's the way it's written. And every time you read that, I want that to be changed for you forever, 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 so that you know, and I said that in Greek, okay, um, so that you know the heart of our Lord toward you, toward you, his child, who he loves so much. And this little bit right here that says, so we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. Actually, in the original, it's not written, the Lord is my helper. It's written, the Lord my helper. I will not be afraid. And this is the difference, okay? Let's say God is standing right here because you know he is, right? And I say, hello, folks. Okay, you got a need because... Um, the Lord is my helper. He is your helper too. That is not what the, what the writer wrote. What the writer said was, the Lord, my helper, is here. Which makes a difference. And the difference is this. That here I'm just saying what he can do for you. And by me calling him the Lord, my helper, what I'm actually telling you is his nature. That is who he is. It's not just something he does now and again. It is who he is. The Lord my helper, that is who he is, okay? And, you know, s quite simply, I want to come to you with this, okay? This is what I want to say to you today. Has anyone in recent times, at any time, have just looked at the news or your circumstances or things going on in your life and you just heard one more news report or one more bad doctor's report or one more terrible thing from your accountant or from somebody and you say, will no one cut me a break? Does anyone care? Does no one care? One more, I can't, I can't take one more thing. I need help. And I feel that I am coming to you today, and I am saying this, and I really say this prophetically, that God heard you. And that's why I'm sitting up here today, all silly, just being me and giving you bad Greek, to just say this, he heard you, and he says, yes, I care, and yes, I will help you. Whatever it is, whatever it is, whatever you have cried on your pillow and said, I can't do this, I can't stop this addiction, I can't make myself better, I've tried everything, I can't pay the bills, the money's just not there. I, you know, like that old statement says, you can't get blood from a stone. God says, I will help. I will make a way where there is no way because that's what I do and that is my specialty. And Carla said it earlier and I just felt, she didn't even probably know she was saying it, but she said the scripture from Psalm 121, which is this, from where does my help come from? My help 
comes from him. I look to the hills from whence comes my help. Which means when you look to the hills, it means you lift your eyes. Stop looking at what's in the natural. Stop looking at how it looks on paper. Stop looking at how it appears to be with your natural eyes. And lift your eyes up to those hills and say, that's where my help comes from. My help comes from Jehovah Esser. God is my help. And I have a prayer request here. Go ahead, clap for him, because he's amazing and he deserves it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for this window into who you are, Father. Thank you that you are Jehovah Esser, Father, and we lift our hands to you. And Father, right now, whatever it is, people, whatever it is, God knows. I don't need to know. You know what the biggest thing in your life is, what the problem that you have is, what this dead end is, what this desert with no roads, this dry place that you are. You know what it is. Get it in your head right now and lift it up to the Lord. Just lift it up. Lift up your hands as a symbol, as a sign, and just say, Jehovah Esser. Listen, both my hands and both my feet are lifted, okay? Just so you know, this is word for me, all right? I don't know if it's for you. I might have just preached myself happy here, and that's good enough for me. But God is here to help you as well. Father, we just lift our, our, our everything to you. And Father, with no eloquence in ourselves, because we've got nothing, Father. We bring nothing to the table. We've got no answers. We've got no wisdom and we've got no help, but we've got you. We've got Jehovah Esser. And we say, Father, we thank you. Thank you for sorting out our biggest problem when we didn't have a problem. So Father, thank you, Father, that all the rest is just peanuts to you, Father. It doesn't matter how big it is in our eyes. To you, it is just small potatoes, Father. And so we just thank you and we lift up our hands and say, thank you for your help, Father. With no eloquence, we just say, help us. Help us, help us, Father, run to us, Father, with your aid, with your help, with everything you bring to the table, Father God. And Lord God, whatever that help is in whatever form it comes in, Father, we just say thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And I want to lift up this prayer request for Jenny, Father, who's been rushed to the hospital, Father, with stomach problems, needing CT scans. Father, we just thank you, Father. You are Jehovah Esser, Father. We pray for this lady, Lord God. Help her, Father. Help her, Father. Oh, and we love you so much. And we are so grateful. We are so grateful for your nature yes, and for yeah. your character and for the lovely God that you are and so good to us. So good to us. You are our help. A very present help in time of need. Oh, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father.